Are you tired of handing out your CDs in Times Square? Well, come up right here, play your song, and we can talk about your music. It's the Artist Spotlight. Hit me up, MissListenKnows at gmail.com for details. Al. New queen is what I want to be called, so just respect it. You don't really want no smoke, because you'll get checked, bitch, dead it. Got my publicist and it's embedded. Top two, but I ain't two. Yeah, I said it. Miss Lissa knows another show, another week, a new guest. And yes, we about to bring heat. I looked around and saw nobody can compete. So like, follow, subscribe if you fuck with me. Woo, Al. Another week, the Miss Lissa knows experience It's getting better. I'm even dropping these original bars. You're here. I have a special guest. Let me introduce her properly, okay? <laughs> she out here killing the literature game with her husband, but right now she's here to talk about a new book that she scribed herself. Absolutely. Ashley Antoinette, born and raised in Flint. Absolutely. I got familiar with you because I introduced, I um, interviewed your husband on the other show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shout out to Premium Pete. And I was very intrigued by his story and I, I of course followed him and then I started following you mm -hmm. because he was saying how you guys been together since you were children. Yeah, yeah. And 15 years old. Yes. And the story that he told and I'm super excited to get the other side of it is that he was out here living in Flint, Michigan. We know that that's not an easy place to live in. He was making a means for himself, mm -hmm. and he was doing it in an in, in illegal way. Right. And it was a point where he was being chased by the cops. Mm -hmm. And he, I guess in a quick thought, threw some drugs behind a bush. Mm -hmm. And thinking that, you know, the cops was not going to catch him, they ended up going to the bush looking for the drugs, but the drugs was gone. They were gone. And he said they were gone because some sweet lady <laughs> had watched this whole thing transpire and she took it upon herself to grab those. And not only did she grab them, she gave it back. Yeah, I returned them to it the next day. So I was like, first of all, Ashley, you're a different creed of woman because, like, why did you even think to... What was your day like that day? I want to start from there. Do you remember that day? Um, I'm the oldest of three kids, so it was just me and my brothers and sisters there. Right. Uh, it was just a regular day for me. Like, I was just chilling. I, I didn't have this... Um, I didn't run the streets like him. You know right. what I mean? I didn't. I wasn't introduced to the streets until I met him. Um, but I just heard this commotion behind my house. There were sirens. And then I just saw him jet past my house and throw the package in the bush. And where I'm from, it's like, fuck the police. You know, it's, it's us against them. And I just, I knew him from around the way. I hadn't met him yet. And he was just this cute boy, this cute kid, you know, that was kind of popular around the city. And I didn't want to see him get hemmed up or nothing like that. So I just grabbed it and hid it in my mama's basement. Um, we had a mutual friend, and I called her, and I said, hey, can you give me that boy Quay number? And she was like, Quavin? So I was like, yeah. She was like, yeah, I, I hit him on three-way. So she called him, and she was like, <laughs> she was like, yo, my friend Ashley want to talk to you. And the first thing he said, yo, yo, she look good. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. So um, she was, I was just like, look, I got something for you. And he hung up on me. So I'm like, okay, he must not want his package back. Um, but I was talking a little, a little reckless over right. the phone. So he just pulled up on me and I returned it and hopped in his passenger seat. And I really haven't gotten out since. Like he haven't been able to shake me since. And that's what is so beautiful to me 
the fact that you guys come from a struggle and through that you guys like strengthen each other and came out of it to now like building an empire yeah it's been a long road to this place though um I'm a, I'll be 33 this August and I've been with him since I was 15 years old and the journey has been so incredible because if you look at us back then where we are now we're New York Times bestselling authors right. we're writers for Warner Brothers and Universal um, we're working on television pilots and moving around Hollywood in just the best way the at the highest level as executive producers we weren't supposed to make it to this point our trajectory didn't that wasn't the expected trajectory for us um statistically speaking but when I met him it was just kind of like I found the person that I was supposed to be with it was it wasn't corny it wasn't like yeah we holding hands and wearing matching t-shirts you know back in the day girls used to like right, it just right, like right. their boyfriends Put it wasn't name on your nails yeah it wasn't none of that it wasn't like it wasn't no corny shit it was like he was my friend like right. he was my best friend and where we're from it's not really the cool thing was not like to read, you know, being smart wasn't really cool back in the day. Now it's cool to be an individual and to be smart and to seek right. knowledge. But back then I was just kind of like the thing that you didn't share with everybody. And when I shared that with him, it was like a mutual connection. We used to go to the bookstore for dates and pick up novels to read together. So it was just like an intellectual connection that I could not get anywhere else. Right. And then you have, like, these stimulating conversations. Yeah, yeah. We would read. I remember sitting in his bedroom in between his legs, and I would have the book open, and I would be reading chapter for chapter, just books. We would fly through so many books um, in a month because that's what we loved, and we loved it together. So it was a mutual passion. Um, shortly after that, he moved me out of my mom's house. I was like 16, moving in a one-bedroom apartment. And it was like a box. It was probably the size, maybe a little bit bigger than the studio. But right. it was like a mansion to us back then. Like, it was ours, and we made it our home. And, of course, I got pregnant. Was it hard for you to emancipate yourself from your parents? or did they... I didn't emancipate myself. Um, Jaquavis came to my mom. I was raised in a single-parent household, so she was struggling. It was hard to make ends meet. And he came to my mom on some real grown-man shit and was like, Miss um, Hill, I love your daughter and I want to take care of her. I promise you if you let her go, she'll never come back and ask for anything or want for nothing. And he kept that promise. I haven't gone back home since that day. That's beautiful. Yeah. She wasn't with it. I ain't going to say like she, was, she wasn't like cool with her teenage daughter moving out, but I was at the age I was going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? And I had found a, a person that I wanted to ride for. There was not a doubt in my mind that he and I were going to take over something one day. I didn't know what it would be. I didn't know that it would be books, but I knew that he and I together would be special. So I took the risk and just packed up my stuff and moved in with him. So how old were you when you had the first baby? Um, the first baby was actually never born. The first baby became our first book. Aww. I had what was called an ectopic pregnancy. When I found out I was pregnant, we were so excited. I was 17 at the time, and you would think that that would be terrifying for two kids we were kids getting ready to bring a baby into the world sorry you were 17 and he was he was seven he was 18 okay yeah he was 18 and instead of being terrified we were both excited like we were going to like target and walmart and so buying sweet. baby shit in the middle of the night like buying um unisex clothes and diapers just preparing for this life and one day i woke up and i just had hella pain and it was just blood everywhere so he rushed me to the hospital, and I was experiencing an ectopic pregnancy. It's in your tubes, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was caught in my tubes, and I had to be rushed into emergency surgery because it was threatening to rupture. Um, and after that, it was just 
I was just depressed. It was like the doctor told us that I had very little chance of having another child because there was damage to the other tube. Um, and I was just, I felt like my life was crumbling around me. I was too young to be going through that type of loss. And I was just crying every single day. Meanwhile, he was still hustling. That's how we paid our rent. That's right. how we paid our bills. So he couldn't really just Stop. babysit me. You right. know what I mean? So he challenged me. I'm competitive as shit, right? So he was like, Ash, I bet that first he wa- he wanted to see if I wanted to read a book. I was like, no, I-, I can't read anything right now. I can't focus on anything. He was like, well, you know what? I bet I can write a better book than you. And I was like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's not happening. It was like I immediately snapped out of this funk. And he rolled me. We didn't even have a computer desk. He rolled me up to a nightstand, set our computer on a nightstand. And I just started typing away. And when he would come home, he would start typing away. But I'm so competitive that I used to read what he wrote to make sure that mine was better. <laughs> like, I'm an asshole. So um, I read his work, though, and it was like the best stuff I had ever read in my life. It was the best characters, the development, the plot. All of it just was pulling me in. So I stopped reading as competition and just started enjoying his story. And I said, hey, if I add mine to yours, I think this will be one great book. That's dope. Yeah. That's Cartel? No, that's Dirty Money. Oh. That's our very first book. We... Finished it after about two weeks of nonstop writing. Locked ourselves in the house. He didn't hit the block for two weeks. We stayed up night and day typing. And after that, we received our first book deal about six months later. No, that's amazing. And I know that, um, just a flash forward, I know that, I guess, your second deal, that something happened and then you flushed the drugs. No, this was the same deal. But when, okay, we sent the book out to like four or five different publishers and then a whole summer went by. Okay. We ended up going to Fair State University for college and because that was always the goal. He was hustling, but it was for a purpose. Like we were hustling not because it was cool, because that was how we ate. That was how we kept a roof over our heads. So we finally made it to college and we were like, okay, this is the long-term goal. This is our plans. He was going for business. I think I was going for journalism or something like that. And we stayed in dorm rooms that were across from each other. There was a boy's side and a girl's side and he would keep his work in my dorm. That way, if anybody ever searched his dorm, he wouldn't get caught. Nobody was going to come looking in mine. And I checked the email that I sent out the manuscript on, and we had like four offers on the table. And um, one of the offers said, we love the book. We want to offer you a book deal. We want to fly you to New York. He was on his way back home to Flint to cop. And I called him like, turn around. I got the best news. You don't have to do this no more. Like, we can finally just let this shit go. And he was like, all right, I'm turning around. He turned around. He come in my dorm room. I'm flushing everything down the toilet. <laughs> he like, yo, what the fuck you doing? Like, he went off. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, no, I, we got a deal. We about to be rich. They flying us to New York. Now to, from, to two kids from Flint getting flown to New York is like, oh, shit. Like, right. we made it. We get to New York. It's all pomp and circumstance. We look at the contract. It's like $4,000 a book. Mind you, I flush about $40,000 worth of product down the toilet. Right. So it was like we took an L, but it was a temporary L because we negotiated in that contract. Well, we didn't negotiate. We asked our our publisher. We said, no, we want $40,000. And he kind of laughed at us. He said, yeah, I'll give you $40,000 if you write 10 books. So we went home and we wrote 10 books. And he gave us that $40,000. Do you enjoy writing books alone as opposed to with your husband? Um... It's just a different process. With him, it's just greatness. It's like effortless greatness. We've written 
over 40 books in our 13 year career. So that's just kind of like breathing. It's, it's second nature to me. It doesn't require much effort to write with him. Like we're so, our chemistry is so on point that it just flows. The story flows. When I'm writing by myself, it's a different lane. We write street shit. He and I together, we write street fiction. It's urban tales. It's gritty. It's violent. Um, the plots are always deep and mind bending, but by myself, I write for the ladies. I write women's fiction. And it still has that, that gangster aspect, element. Yeah. yeah, because I'm from that. Because ethic is gangster. Yeah. I'm like, what you talking yeah. about, sis? It, it's gangster. <laughs> it is gangster. It's but it the, makes me cry. I, I'm not exactly. Lie. You'll be it, emotional. Yes, I'm going through an emotional roller coaster. I didn't get to finish it yet, mm -hmm. but I'm very excited to like keep reading and I want to of course tap into the first book which Mortal is Mortal Flame. Flame. but I was like oh my god like how do you build these characters um like who is Ethic Ethic is Jaquavis Ethics, okay yeah anytime you have a character that a woman is crazy about and do anything for and that love is just deeply rooted I'm pulling that from my marriage and before my marriage it was my boyfriend and before my boyfriend it was my friend so we've been through every single level of intimacy together and that's the motivation that I use to shape my male characters um he's just everything he's the universe like if I'm the earth he's the universe that keeps me suspended like he's just my very best friend so anytime I'm speaking on love and relationship and commitment and all of that is always in reference to him so the way this book came about was because you wrote Maud to a Flame mm -hmm. and Ethic was just like a passing, like he wasn't like a star character. He was not a star character. The star character in that book was a young girl named Raven. It was a coming of age story. Okay, so, oh, I definitely got, <laughs> oh my God, I got to definitely read it. Yeah, it's dope. Oh, because the way it starts, okay. Yeah. I, okay, okay. I don't want to give it away too much <laughs> to the know-it-alls because I want them to go out and get the book, but... Just knowing that, okay, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay, so why is, not Raven, what's her sister's name? Morgan. Why is Morgan deaf? Because I, in my novels, I like to create complex characters. Every character doesn't look, sound, or feel the same. So to create a character that had this disability and to make her relatable to people who didn't have that disability, I wanted that that challenge in my writing. I wanted people to be able to see past that and to dig deep down within the surface. She was a regular girl who was going through a lot of insecurities due to her disability. Um, I just like to create, I want to create worlds that are different than anything else that you've seen in a book. And I haven't seen that, not in street fiction. Street fiction can limit you sometimes because you feel like you got to write about a certain type of person, that people got to be a certain type of way. Right. Um, and in my books, there's no rules. So did you ever have a friend or someone in your family? Because it feels like you really understand, like, her struggles, like, as if, like, somebody that you had to sign to, like, let you know what they were going through. Like um, My husband has several people in his family that okay. are deaf. Um, so I took a lot of just interacting with them and seeing him interact with them over the years. But a lot of it was research. A part of being a good writer is being able to research worlds that you know nothing about and making it seem like you're an expert. That's really dope. What I also love about her being deaf, like, even though, like you said, like, it's about her disabilities, like, a lot of women don't use their voice. Yeah. So even though, like, you know, we can, we don't always do yeah. it. So she's, like, speaking for us even though she's not speaking. Exactly. So that's another, like, thing I love about, about that. So about, I just want to go back into you working with your husband because a lot of women 
or a lot of people, men, women, they shy away from that because they feel like that's going to cause a wedge. Mm-hmm. But you guys have really found a way to make it so much like strength in, in the building. Like any tips? Like what is it? Like is is it like a special chemistry? Like is it anything that you guys do daily or weekly that makes it stay like this? This this bond. I think at the end of the day, you just got to love the person that you're with. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get that all the time. Like, man, how can you work with your husband? Like, my husband would get on my nerves or I can't be around him or her that much. I love being around him. Like, even when we're at odds, which is not often, but if What's we're... What's the sign? He's a Sagittarius. It's all his fire. You're a Leo. He's a Sag. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so even if we're at odds, I'd rather be at odds with him than copacetic with somebody else. He's my very best friend, so there's no challenge in working together. Like, our writing is intimate to us, so the writing is almost as passionate as the sex. Like, that's just how we connect. It's, it's not work, and I think that's, that's how we keep it fun. It doesn't feel like work to us. It just feels like living. Our whole house is surrounded around stories and plots. We have whiteboards in every room, and we have sticky notes on every wall. Like, we're always talking about building new worlds and new characters because we want people to be able to feel our stories and read our stories and enjoy what we bring to the space. Right. Now, a flashback. I'm sorry, it's organized chaos. <laughs> flashback. So after you um, had the, the atopic pregnancy mm-hmm. and then you wrote the book, so that was your uh, your first baby. Yes. How long did you guys wait to have an actual child? Like, um, did you plan this baby? Like, how did that go? A long. It was a long journey to having a child. And along the way, we wrote a lot of books. Um, there's always great loss in our books because I've experienced great losses as a woman. I've had, I struggled to have a baby. Right. And it was in, very important for us to see what our love looked like in human form. Um, it wasn't easy. It took years for me to have a successful pregnancy. Um and the crazy part about it is we got married in 2008, and on our one-year anniversary trip, we went to Haiti. And while we were there, you know, you're shopping for souvenirs because it's an impoverished co- um, country, and you want kind of just want right, to spread right. spread your money around. And I was done shopping for the day, and this man just pulled my hand, and he was like, please, please come just see what I have. And I just I can't tell people like that, no. So I went, and I think I spent like $50 with him, nothing big, nothing life-changing, but to him it was life-changing. And when I walked out of his store, he grabbed my hand, looked me in my eyes, and said, thank you, I'll pray for your fertility. When I got home, I realized that I got pregnant on that trip. A month later, I took a pregnancy test, and I was pregnant. So our son was born in 2010. That's crazy. Yeah. And that man helped it with his he prayer. Did. He, really he did. He really did. I really believe that. I really believe that, too. <laughs> so you only have one child? Yes. Do you ever, like, feel like you have, like, the strength to try again? Because um, modern medicine, all these, like, you know, even you might Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Of, well, no, I would, never, I would never do a surrogate simply because I know what it feels like to have two heartbeats now. You know what I mean? Like, that journey is just irreplaceable. But my son is about to be eight. Like, I don't want to go back. I be feeling like I want two more. No. My career is too popping right now. Like, But look at Barty. I know. but Look at Barty. You could do it. My career is, like, demanding as shit right now. Like, we just got signed to Warner Brothers and Universal, and we'll be bi-coastal. So I'm not really trying to. When I get, like, when I gave birth to my son, I was 100% mom. There was no other priority that came 
and still it doesn't come before him, but he's older now. So mom can move around right. and, you know, handle my business and still be a businesswoman while he's doing his thing. He's in school. I have the whole day um, to have a whole nother child would stop my career because that's how committed to motherhood and my family that I am. I have that issue right now. Mm-hmm. I'm having an issue with because um, I'm a single mother. Like okay. I don't have a Jaquavis. Like we're co-parenting, mm-hmm. but he lives in her. My daughter's father lives in Pennsylvania, and this year he asked that she could live with him. So that's been a really big strain for me. Like I've been doing like back and forth to Pennsylvania. I've been taking her on the weekends. I'm used oh, to wow. having her. Yes, we've been. We did this whole reverse. Yeah, that's been the biggest difficulty for me trying to like find a balance. Yeah. So I do want more kids, but I definitely understand what you're saying. I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to dig more into Miss Ashley Antoinette. We're going to talk about her new book, and I'm hearing that there's some TV shows going on. There are. There are. (laughs) So grab your blunt if you need that, or stash your pack if you need that, and come back. It's your girl, Miss Lissa Al. Hey, it's your girl, OG Nile, and you already know I'm rocking out with Miss Lissa Knows. You already know she got the she the voice of New York. Al! Al, we're back. Sitting with me is super author Ashley Antoinette talking about her new book, Ethic. Mm-hmm. April 1st, it drops. How are you feeling about like the reaction to the book? I'm honored, honestly. Like, after you've written, I've written so many books. So the expectation is always super high when you release another book. It's kind of like, okay, how can I top the last one? How can I make this one different and unique and tell a different type of story? Um, I've had reviews coming back like, you made me love my black man more. You've made me um, cry. You know, you've made, you've brought something back to the culture that has been missing for years. And getting reviews like that is just, it's an honor. I'm so blessed to do what I do. I lo- I definitely... Um Aside from the book, just watching your life, it's very inspiring. And it Thank makes you. Me, if I had a black man, I would love him more. <laughs> but it just makes me love black love more. And it makes me want to, like, push that. And, and makes me want to promote that even more. Like, it's just really great watching you as a black successful woman, but mm-hmm. also having that counterpart. Because so many women are out here just looking for that person. But you actually have it and you're holding it down. You guys are making it stronger. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But what about you? Okay. How do you take care of you? Like, what is the last thing you bought yourself? <laughs> Chanel bag. <Yeah. laughs> Chanel bag. So you do treat yourself? I treat myself all the time. Like, I think a lot of women um, get lost in their roles right. as mothers and wives and girlfriends. Of course, we want to take care of our men and we have to take care of our children. But if we don't take care of ourselves first, none of that shit matters. Right. Like, so I always pour into me, but I'm very fortunate because I also have a man that pours into me. He gets the importance of that. So if I ever forget, he's reminding me like, nah, Ash, it's time for you to take a girl's trip. Nah, Ash, let me send you to Cancun for a little bit. Nah, Ash, you're working too hard. Close your laptop. Let's just kick back and connect. So he'll tell me when I'm going too hard and it reminds me to take care of myself. Do you have any friends that you ever had to get rid of because they were trying to create a wedge between you and your husband? Because I feel like women be hating on stuff like (laughs) that. Like, I'm not even going to lie. I've gotten rid of people that I've just outgrown, and not necessarily because they've hated on my relationship, but just because life is about elevation, and sometimes you just got to shit clip dead ends. Like your hair, if you don't clip your dead ends, it don't grow. That's how life is. Um, I've never been the one to hold on to 
friends that show me any type of disloyalty because I'm super close and super giving to the people in my circle. Like, I just want to see everybody around me win. So if I feel like there's energy that's not quite right or off balance, I'll just fall back. You're a Leo. That's why. Yeah. But it's not beef. Like, I don't, because I don't operate with that type of energy. You know what I mean? I don't allow any negative energy in my circle from friends to relatives to the man walking down the street at the corner store you know I don't I just don't operate with that I'm all about positive energy and love and growth and money like (laughs) we ain't talking about none of that (laughs) we can't talk speaking of growth and money and your glow up like a lot of people who had to have changed in your lives like how did you like tell who was real from who was fake um we always kept our circle super tight like just super tight the same like the girl I walked in here with today, she, she's been with me my entire life. Like, I don't really, you don't need a lot of friends. If you got a few quality ones, that's all you need. And if you are with the person that is your soulmate and your best friend, like everybody else can fall to the wayside. As long as I got him, I'm good. I think that's really, really beautiful. Thank you. What do you want your legacy to be? I want to be known as the best female writer of all time. So who we got, if you had to say somebody was that person right now, who is that? For me, you know, everyone will give you a different answer of who that will be. Um, But I just totally respect Maya Angelou. She is like the pinnacle of just black excellence, of a strong black woman, of a woman who had a message, of a woman who told phenomenal stories, who wrote beautifully. Um, She was so eloquent and just she contributed to history. And that's what... I'm trying to do. That's what my husband and I are trying to do. That's what y'all doing. Yeah, we're That's trying. What you're doing. <laughs> okay, so I'm hearing that you guys are also branching into motion pictures and television shows. We are. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yes, we have um, inked deals with Warner Horizon and Universal, Universal Cable Productions, for two separate television series. We're developing them now. Um, we're coming in as executive producers on both projects, which is unheard of in Hollywood. Usually, if an author transitions to Hollywood, you have to start in the writing room. Right. Um, which, that in itself is a blessing to be a part of. Like, it's hard to get in a writing room in Hollywood, especially as a black writer. Um, but then you move up levels. There's levels to that. It's like five or six levels before you get to the executive producer level. Right. And we came in as that. Um, is it because you had so much leverage? It's because we're bosses and we don't accept anything other than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that's just, we, we're past that stage in our life and our careers where we are allowing anyone else to dictate what we write. Can you help me find that place? Like, when it comes to negotiations, like, do you have any tips for me or the nobodies? Like, like, because you don't never want to, like, feel like you're making somebody get turned off from your number, I guess. or you, But you don't want to undervalue yourself. So how do you gauge that? I set a number for myself. I set my worth. And I set my worth, and then I double it. And then if they don't meet that, I walk away. The double, they don't meet the double? You if leave? they don't meet the double, I walk away. You have to... Just know when a situation is not for you and then have faith that another situation is coming. Um, You don't jump on the first offer that's on the table because just because it's the first one doesn't mean it's the correct one. You know, I just I've had patience and faith in my ability as a writer, my ability as a businesswoman, our our ability as a business, as a couple um, to to turn down a few offers that weren't to our favor, that weren't right. And. We just have demanded that we be treated as executives. We be treated as bosses because we put in a lot of work over the years. You know, you don't really want to backtrack that. Once you've gotten to a certain level, 
people have to meet you at that level or they just don't do business with me at all. So now you guys are going to be executive producing some shows. Yes, ma'am. Are you doing any, like, reality TV or is that, like... Nah. Okay, so it's um, all, like, um, was it, like, dramas and... Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's... One is a crime drama. Okay. And the other one is completely different. It's, like, a... a it's a drama. It's more for the ladies, though. But we're producing different types of shows at each network to prove that we can write anything a lot of times um as a writer you can get put inside a box right. and we we have been known to break those barriers to soar through glass ceilings so we didn't want to go to hollywood and get placed in a box so we can write anything we can write mystery we can write comedy we can write crime Romance, thrillers anything. all of right. that yeah what kind of movies do you guys like though um i'm i'm kind of like a geek when it comes to that i love like I like things that takes me that take me out of my world. Like I grew up in Flint. Like that's rough, you know. I don't. I I enjoy a good hood movie, but I really love like sci-fi and romances. I love Lord of the Rings. I love. Oh yeah, Titanic. you as a geek. I, mean, you I am. A geek. You I'm a geek. geek. I, I was admit just it. talking about Titanic, so I've only seen Titanic one time. That's that's kind of like a crime. But I just realized that the, it was like, okay, so I knew Titanic was a real story. Like, I knew that. Right. But I didn't know the lady that was that that, <laughs> that let go was a real woman. Like, yes. that, like that's so beautiful. Yeah, I like I shit like that. I can't watch it again because the way I cried the first time is like I cry unreal. every time. But see, I like storytelling. So it's not so much like with The Lord of the Rings. It's not so much as the... Like the sci-fi of it all, it's just right. the journey. It's kind of like the underdogs defeating the people on top. So I like the story of it all. I'm I'm a writer, so I always dig deep and look for the deeper story within the films. What's the last movie you guys saw? Oh wow, what is the last movie? Do you have Netflix and chill still? Or is that all the time, okay. yeah, all the time. I watch more TV though. Did you see Roxanne? Roxanne? I did. I did. That's the last movie we saw. That's, I thought it was excellent. I loved it. Yeah. Did you like the ending? There were some people that didn't it was like abrupt. That. It was abrupt. I felt like I wanted more, but I, it didn't stop me from enjoying it. I loved it. I thought that was a really great story. But even with Roxanne, Roxanne, because I, I knew a lot about her story. The only thing I didn't know was about her being abused. I didn't know that either. But even with her, like her record deal, like she got shafted. Like, I mean, she was a woman in hip hop, you know, back in the day before that was even right. really thought of. So she paved the way for everyone now that's getting their checks so how do you feel about how women are treated and we could say hip-hop but just in this industry um or how women treat themselves i feel like every woman sets a standard for herself and i'm not knocking no woman's hustle because it's hard to be in an industry that's dominated by men and make an impact so i can only speak for myself i carry myself with respect and i respect people around me and that's just how I live my life daily. I don't really like to speak on other women and what they do and how they move. If it's good for them, it's good for me. But I just operate with self-respect. Do you have any regrets on this journey? No, I don't have any because I feel like every mistake that you make is an opportunity to learn. And some of those mistakes groomed me to be where I am in Hollywood. I took a lot of L's in the beginning of my career, but it was L's that we were willing to take. We always had the motto, um, if you get got, you deserve to get got. Because you should have saw it coming. Right. And some of the things, some of the pitfalls, you know, that you have, you see coming, but you take the small L's to get to the big wins later. So I don't have any regrets at all. Everything happened the way that it was supposed to happen. Everything transpired organically for us. 
Now, I did go to, because I, I was going back to the, the book, okay. Ethic. Make sure you go get it. It's available on Amazon, mm-hmm. Know It Alls, and it's so good. I'm on Chapter 5. <laughs> okay. I'm on Chapter 5. But I did go skimming, because I just couldn't help myself. You can't skim. Oh, you can't, can't skim. <laughs> but it said to be continued at the end, so there's yeah. more to come. There is. Do you always leave it where it's possible more like a, a cliffhanger every time? Not always. I like to write until I I can't write anymore. Like my with Ethic, it was such an emotional novel to write because I was writing about a black man who had survived the game. He didn't die. He hadn't gone to jail when he was older. He's in his mid thirties. He's trying to raise his children, but he feels that his karma is that he's raising them alone. He's lost the love of his life and every other woman he encounters he loses, whether it's to other men, to death, to the streets. He he loses them. He can't hold on to love, and he feels like that's his karma. So I put myself in a male perspective for the very first time in any of my novels, and I wrote a story about a black man trying to love a black woman. And it was so emotional for me. Like, every scene, I felt like myself getting teary-eyed, teary-eyed because I was so connected to this journey to this love story and it just wasn't enough pages to finish it in one book by the end of it I was just like okay my fans wanted it um and I just still had so much to go the book would have been like the bible if I had kept going (laughs) (laughs) so I just I just was like okay I'm gonna end it here and then continue it in the next book do you ever like kill a character and somebody roll up on you like why you killed such and such, ready, <laughs> ready to beat that ass like in misery? Yes, yes, all the time. Um, In the Cartel, that's our best-selling series. We've sold millions of copies right. of that series. It's up to five, right? It's up to seven. It's up to seven now? Yeah, it's up to seven. And we're working on book eight. We're working on book eight. But at the end of seven, we killed the most pivotal character in the series. Um, How do you do that? Shit, sometimes he, niggas got to get it. Like, <laughs> like, it was just his time. Like, it was just his time to go. But we didn't realize how connected people was to this man. Like, he was a real person to them. They had been reading about him for 10 years. We started the series in 2008. It's 2018. That's crazy. So they had grown with this character. And when we killed him, baby, when I tell you my inbox was full of hate mail, I was like, oh, like, it. I felt good. They were cussing me out and like, why did Junja Quavis do this? But it felt good to know that we had created somebody that they had connected to in such a deep way that they were angry at us for getting rid of him. Do you ever think about bringing him back like it was a dream? That was a whole thing was a dream. Like, (laughs) like Roseanne? (laughs) You know what? Um, be, we've done we've brought a couple people back from the dead before but he won't be coming back or He's maybe done. like a prequel maybe that'll make the kids happy like to write a book about his childhood we've we, we've done that too you have yeah we've done that too when yeah. i tell you the cartel is a journey we've explored every avenue to every character because so many different people connected with the different characters so you had to give them the backstory on everybody um so we we're going forward with it it's a new generation we're talking about the kids of the cartel, the legacy of the cartel. Um, but everybody that they've come to know and love, they're they're done. Their story is told. That's so dope that you guys are, like, elevating and turning these things into, like, sub-stories. But, like, with the new generation not being so heavily into books and now they have, like, the Kindles and I guess, like, maybe they want to listen to books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, 
what do you and Jaquavis like plan for the future? Like, how do you um, plan to keep people like entertained or keep people wanting more? Um, our novels are like movies. They play in your head like films when you read them. So we're not writing. You know, back in the day, sometimes you used to pick up a book and you used to have to skip a couple pages to get to the good shit. We don't do that in our books. No, I don't. Every page is a movie. Like, it's a mini movie in your head. So that keeps readers engaged. And it's funny because when we go to book signings, we went on tour last year. And I remember our very first tour years ago in 2005 we went out and nobody was coming to see us like it was just kind of like crickets like hey you want to buy my book you know right when we went out on tour last year it was like packed like we were pulling up people were clapping like they were just so happy to see us and the age range was from 13 year old girls who weren't even supposed to be reading our books yet <laughs> right. to like somebody's grandma you know what I mean so the demographic was just so crazy and keeping knowing that we're keeping that type of that range of ages engaged is, right. is incredible. We have audiobooks. Um, Kindle, to me, is the same as a paper book. I prefer paper books because I like the smell of books. I like the feel of them in my hands. The Kindles mess with my eyes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, new school kids, that's, yeah. that's what they want to do. I don't care how you're reading them as long as you're getting it. Got to read. But um, what would you say is going to be next for you? Like, you've already dominated the books, and now you're going into TVs and movies. So mm -hmm. it's like... What what's gonna happen next? You're gonna have a spaceship. Like, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Um, my goal is to dominate TV. That that's my goal. Right now, we're we're the new kids on the block in Hollywood. And do you feel accepted? It, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I would say so. I don't. I'm not out there all the time yet. You know what I mean? Like we haven't moved to LA yet, so I don't. I don't really move in circles. I've always kind of been a loner. I've always been about the work. I feel like that's where people get distracted. When you go out and you're trying to fit in and make friends and all of that, we never did that in the book industry because we had each other. I didn't need to go to a social mixer or a professional event and connect with other people because he was at my side. We were connecting with each other. Right. I've never been afraid to walk into any room ever because he's always with me. And But not even just because I'm a Leo, but because I had a strong black man behind me. You know what I mean? I think a lot of time as women, sometimes you feel intimidated when you walk into a room. Even if you're the most confident person in the world, sometimes you, you can talk yourself out of your power. And he never allowed me to do that. So I don't feel the need to fit in out there. Like, I just want to work. I want people to respect the work. I want them to see my writing and read my writing and feel connected to it. As long as they love what I do, they'll probably love me. I'm a nice girl. I think I'm pretty cool. But Hollywood is a crazy place. Are you ever, like, nervous or apprehensive up to to move there because you no. are going to be moving there soon mm -mm. I'm not ready. really I'm the type of girl who thinks I can do anything so nothing has ever really scared me like if it's an opportunity I'm going to take it I'm not going to talk myself out of it or you know I don't let fear dictate my decisions I'm just going to fly Yes, my pastor said, shout out to Pastor Wardron, FCBC. It's the year <laughs> to lean into your fears. Absolutely. My fear, my biggest fear, I'm going to share it, is stand-up comedy. Okay. I haven't done it yet. I keep telling myself I'm going to do it, and I still haven't. I need to lean into that fear. Do you have any fears that you had to lean into, even though you're fearless? No. no. I, I literally, I'm literally not afraid to try. I'm just not afraid to live, put it like that. Like, when I'm dead and gone, I want to be able to say I did everything that was on my list. You know, I I just don't. There's not much that I that I 
can't do. You also have a podcast, right? I do. Bitch Cole Podcast. She has a podcast, <laughs> know it all. So we're going to make sure that we check that out. What would you say is the premise for your show? Um, is it as, you alone? No, it's me and my homegirls. Okay. Ash, the one you met. Ash better bring her ass in here. Tell her to come in here. Ash, why you ain't tell me you talk, Ash? <laughs> she talk shit. She talk hella shit. <laughs> okay, what we gonna do? We gonna take another quick break, and we gonna come back with Ash, because I got a third mic, and yeah. I didn't know why. Listen, it's gonna be a totally different conversation with her on we this mic. We just gotta get Ash on the mic, and we gonna give y'all a taste of the podcast <laughs> before we go. Another break. Ow. Ow. This episode of Miss Listen Knows is brought to you by you. Shout out to you. And if God is your publicist, head over to MissListenKnows.com and get you a shirt and a hat so I know it's real. Now let's get to the show. I'm back sitting with Ashley Antoinette, super author, but she also has a podcast. I do. So we had to bring in her co-host, Ashley. <laughs> yes. Ashley and Ashley. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the podcast? The Bitch Cole Podcast. The Bitch Cole, the Bitch Cole Podcast. Mm-hmm. It's actually three of you. It is. Our homegirl V ain't here. So it's Ashley V and Ashley. Mm-hmm. And do you guys, guys, I guess you guys do like girl talk, basically. We do, we do. Talk about some sex. Mm, Are you married as well? No. Okay, so you're the single friend. Semi. Single. <laughs> Not really, though. <laughs> you Spanish? No. Okay, because you know they be, after six years, this is official, nigga. Well, she, she got is. that. She got that. Okay. <laughs> I see the wave pattern. Okay, so you guys have been together how long? Ooh, I met him when I was 15. We've been off and on... Broke up for six years, came back. You got children? Four years, yes, an eleven year old. Just one? Just well, you don't want to do it again? Okay, so let's have let's have a, a a little. I need y'all help. All right. Okay. okay, I need y'all help. All right. Okay, so I have a daughter. Like I said earlier, I have a daughter. She's mm-hmm. gonna be nine years old in April. Al, shout out to Brielle, love her. <laughs> so her daughter, her father, and I, we've been co-parenting since she was seven months. That's when we split, and we kind of split because when we was pre- when she was when we were pregnant, I got to a point where. Now that in hindsight is twenty twenty, I had low self esteem, and while this man still wanted me through my pregnancy, I just wanted to be pregnant, mm-hmm. and I had a point where I was just like, leave, like he wanted to have sex, and I was like, what do you do? Like leave me alone. Like right. eat Popeyes and be fat. Like, why don't you have a side bitch? Oh, you told him that? No. Wait, what? Yeah, like, and it wasn't even like a. I was just like, why don't you have somebody to leave, like leave me alone? With? Like, how come you don't have somebody that you having sex with? Y'all needed a girlfriend, right? <laughs> but I didn't want to deal with her right now. I'm pregnant. Right. I, I was gonna come back to her after I gave okay. birth. But what ended up happening was he ended up, and I'm I'm very I'm controlling. I'm a Leo. I'm very controlling. You're a Leo too. Yes, I'm, I love. I'm you. a Lurgo. I'm going to be <laughs> on the last day. It's very okay. cuspy. Yeah. So. Now, like I said, hindsight, I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But I told him how I wanted it done. I was like, listen, I work. I don't want you doing it while I'm at work. I don't want to feel like you're cheating on me. I wanted to feel like, I don't want to feel like anything. Because mm-hmm. I already told you it was cool. I just want to, I don't want to be bothered. Just have my Popeyes when you walk in. You're very understanding. She so is. I thought. <laughs> so I thought. So I thought. But he ended up doing exactly what I didn't want him to do. And I felt like he cheated. Like, I knew when he did it. Like, I'm texting him. I know I'm calling. He not answering. He texts me back. Bro. <laughs> That's because you can't separate. You can't dictate when it happened. You opened up Pandora's box. Exactly. Yeah. Pandora gave him the box and everything else. Yep. So that is what, like you said, Pandora's box is open. So after that, he kind of was like <laughs> feeling himself. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. Yes. So that was what ruined it. But because I am honest enough to know what happened, mm-hmm. we, we co-parent really well at this point. 
Jessica but King. she's eight. Mm-hmm. So we did have little spurts where we tried to get back together, mm-hmm. but I still don't trust him. Right? That's 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 crazy. That's a little odd. Right? I don't trust o- him. Only because you initiated the situation. So that's why part of me is it's like, well, let me just leave it alone and just we could just co-parent. So anytime we try to get back together, it's because he's trying. Like mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any more children. I don't have any other children. So it kind of feels like we waiting for each other, but then every time we try, it's just like the worst. I mean, trying is hard. Like relationships are hard work, period. You just got to be willing to stick that shit out. Like, if he don't have no other kids and y'all got this connection that you can't let go of, y'all got to get over the past. Leave that in the past. Because you low-key initiated the cheating. So, you I can't really... High yeah. key. That's, why I, that's why I can be yeah. honest about it. But do you love him? I do love him, but I don't know if I'm in love with him. That like, butt, that yeah, butt. That then don't, don't even yeah. waste yeah, you, you can it. move. Yeah. You can walk away. Yeah. But we do still have... Um, Family time with my with our daughter. Mm-hmm. We have dinners. Like even like now this year she's living with him. So I was back and forth. I would mm-hmm. go stay at his house. That's that. Mm. Like I was saying, you be sending mixed messages, mm-hmm. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said I need y'all help. You know, I, that's why I need y'all help today. I need the bitch. I mean, co co parenting is always healthy for the child, but I do think it's important to set limits, like not staying at his house. Yeah, you know that way it's just a healthy friendship moving forward. Because eventually, if you're not in love with him, you want to meet somebody, and you don't want all of this history of sleepovers and. Stuff that's just not really co-parenting, that's kind of flirting with the idea of getting back together, but ain't really getting back together to hinder you or him from moving on. So what do you say about a surprise trip for her birthday? Is that not co-parenting? That's not co-parenting. That's, yeah, no. that's not? No. Because no. No. we both really wanted her first trip to be with us, like so we just like, F it. So, so why don't y'all just get but back what together? If we, right! Right! <laughs> 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 I'm so scared. Like this is the only person that like that knows how to like break my heart. But so that's like, that's the purpose of yeah. being in love. Being in love with a person is giving them the ability to break your heart and trusting that they won't because they love you equally. I can't equally. trust that he won't. I think you. I can't say that you can, but I think that you're stopping yourself from trying. Most definitely. Stopping and how yourself. do you guys feel about um, you ladies? How do you ladies feel about mama's boys? Hey, mm. I don't got nothing wrong with it because my baby loved the shit out of me. <laughs> Like, I mean, he's still young though. He's seven. Are you? How you gonna treat his 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 girl and his wifey and his child? I'm gonna treat her well because listen, a woman will pull a man away from his mama in a heartbeat. So I'm gonna treat her well. So that way, she want to come around me and not want to pull my baby from from me. Well, that's another. That's, <laughs> since I don't like the mama's boys that don't know. Hello. Where to to cut it off at? I know like, you about I don't to go have, to church. I don't have that problem. Like I get along well with. His mom, I love her. She's a Leo, too. <laughs> you so, get along with Leos. <laughs> so I love her, so I don't have that problem. But I don't like the clingy, the that's my man's son. Like, See, but I feel like that's for mm. women who don't have their own men. You know what I mean? When you don't got your own men and maybe yeah. you were a single parent raising your son, yeah. that kind of is like a little weird relationship. But right. the boys do it, too, because I watch my brothers with my mother. And my parents been married for, I'm 31, They've been married for 30 freaking years. Al, y'all just brothers... dropping y'all numbers <laughs> And so it's it's the boys, too, because my brothers cling to my mom. It's like, just a connection. A boys and their mothers, is just it's a connection that mm-hmm. I feel like a boy doesn't break that connection until he finds a wife. That's why I want a son. I feel like they still don't break it when they find a wife. No, because your wife should come first. Should. She mm-hmm. should. Yeah. She should. 
Damn, so y'all got me because re- we. I didn't, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I need a refund. <laughs> oh my God, I don't even know now. Now I'm like, I feel like I was about to write this co parenting book, but clearly I'm writing a yeah. book about. Uh, flirting with the idea yeah, of that, yeah, that ain't co-parenting <laughs> yeah, whole trip together nah. no because here I was like like when I was in a relationship like I would argue people down about that like no so mm-hmm. going to dinners is that not is that go is that co-parenting I need a it's it's riding a fine line. Because it I is. just feel like even though you're not with the person, their child still deserves to have a family foundation if y'all could do that. If y'all could have if he had a girl, mm-hmm. she could sit at the table. I've been at the table with a girl before. Like it wasn't just me, him. I've met a different girl. I've met his girlfriends when he's serious about the hoes, mm-hmm. but they don't <laughs> never they don't never last. They don't never last. They don't never last because you at the dinner table with them. <laughs> Know, they might no, be like, and, no. And, and, and Salon said, I need a seat at the bullshit too. Nah, I need mm-hmm. a seat at the table like Salon. <laughs> I just but, wanted to meet her and let her, you know, just to get to know her. I need her look in her eye so she know who going to beat that ass if she if ever she disrespect your kid. Daughter. I understand. I just need her to look in her face <laughs> so I know what she look like, she know what I look like. Catch this thing. Yeah, co-parenting is tricky. Um, and I, I'm. Bottoms. I think it's. Hold on, on, hold on. Flash, flash. <laughs> no, no, no. Ashley Antoinette came in here with bloody shoes. What? Oh. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> nothing fancy. Don't, yes, do Don't do that. Yes, it is. Okay, oh, so. So co-parent, so I'm not co-parenting. No. No, you're riding a fine line mm. between like an unofficial relationship. No, she's past that like, <laughs> she's in there like swimwear yeah yeah i need okay i'm gonna need y'all to come back how long can y'all come back and we want to do a full we're gonna have to do a relationship girls. episode yeah. we're gonna have yeah. to get the girls in before y'all go okay and we'll do another episode what are your final thoughts can you tell the know-it-alls your instagram your your facebook your website yes um i'm on ig at ashley antoinette uh at novelista on twitter at ashley antoinette on facebook Oh, and go get Ethic. It's the best novel I've ever written. I poured my soul into it, my heart into it. Check it out. And it made me cry. Like, I don't want to give y'all too much of the tea. And you're so great at describing. Like, the way you described the sunset in, the, in chapter one when they were at the gravesite. Like, just get the book. Stop playing. <laughs> Stop yeah. playing. So, and, and other Ashley. Ashley. I'm just Queen Leo 812 on Instagram. <laughs> I'm nobody important. <laughs> but that's K-N-O-W because we are the know-it-all. That's right. Yes. That's right. You are different kind of nobody. And you already know me, the new queen of media. Make sure you are subscribed on iTunes. Check me out on SoundCloud. Leave a comment so I know it's real. Cop you some God is my publicist gear. Who's your publicist? The Lord. And if you go to www.misslistenknows.com you can represent for him. And 10% of the proceeds is going to my church. I'm a tithe in the name of you. And until next time, brush your edges, brush your teeth, and brush that dirt off your shoulders. Dream those dreams. Rest in peace, Combat Jack. Yes. Yes. Al. Yes.